0: Naman da Naman da vits, Naman da Naman da Naman. Great. Well, thank you all for joining us. Our first session of the new year. Uh, happy Year of the Tiger uh, to everyone. We'll be continuing uh, with uh, shoshinge I, I expect that we'll that at least through the remainder of 2022, we'll still be uh, spending time with the we we'll call the Seven Masters of the Pure Land tradition. So um, this text that we uh, chanted from six and that we're studying now is considered to be uh, kind of uh, Jodo Shinshu encapsulated in a nutshell, the essence of our Buddhist tradition. And so uh, the first section that we uh, looked at um, throughout last year uh, was the uh, section that focuses on the Sutras, the sermons of the Buddhas, uh, of the Buddha, the sermons of the Buddha, I should say. And then um, we began a couple months ago, looking at getting into uh, the masters of the Pure Land tradition, starting out with Nagarjuna. So today will be our last session on Nagarjuna, uh, who is a monumental figure in uh, what we call Mahayana Buddhism, the Buddhism of uh, China, uh, Tibet, Mongolia, South Korea, Japan, Um, Vietnam, as well as, you know, large Mahayana Buddhist community, and so uh, Nagarjuna is a very important Buddhist thinker, um, not only in the Pure Land tradition, but also in the Zen tradition, again, in uh, the Tibetan esoteric traditions, and so um, he's one of the great thinkers of Buddhism that really brings uh, many of the traditions together uh, with his insights, and the passages we'll be looking at today uh, from Nagarjuna's writings are those that are very kind of specifically uh, important to our Pure Land tradition and shed a lot of light on the understanding of this Nambutsu practice we do, the, reciting the name of the Buddha. We've already said Namo Amida Butsu, many times um, in just this short time. And this is our main kind of expression uh, of our Buddhist life. In the Jodo Shinshu tradition, and so we'll be talking a little bit about how Nagarjuna uh, sheds very important light on that tradition. So I've prepared a handout, and this is available on the uh, Samatya Buddhist Temple website. Um, I can I'll post the link to that in the um, in the chat here. Let's see here. Folks, so if you want to have a look at this, there's a couple of. Um, this is this is the this is to the temple website, um, and there are a couple of um, texts that are here on this page. Uh, one is the um, handout I'll be talking about today. Another is a breakdown of the 52 stages. Today we'll be talking about. Um, one of these stages, um, the Bodhisattva Path to Enlightenment. Um, And if you're interested to know what are these stages and really kind of delve into that, um, I have prepared this handout with the 52. So if you really want to dig deep on that, uh, you can have a look at it. If you have questions, you're welcome to ask me. I don't know if I'll know the answers. It's pretty high-level stuff um, for people who are almost enlightened. Um, so I'm not not quite there yet myself. Okay, so uh, we'll begin with this verse. In this, it says, he here, this is referring to Nagarjuna. He teaches that the moment one thinks on Amida's primal vow one is naturally brought to enter the stage of the definitely settled. Solely saying the Tathagata's name constantly, one should respond with gratitude to the universal vow of great compassion. Namamdots, Namamdots, So um, I want to begin by just uh, going over some of the words here, uh, some of these Buddhist terms. Uh, so we have... Uh, He again, this refers to Nagarjuna, Um, Amida uh, is uh, Amida Buddha, the Buddha of immeasurable light in life, the Buddha whose um, image is here um, for us to uh, focus on during our activity this evening. Um, So the moment one thinks on Amida's primal vow, one is brought to enter the stage of the definitely settled. So um, this is the stage of the definitely settled is um, the stage uh, on the path to enlightenment in which one uh, realizes that one is assured of becoming a Buddha, this uh, sense of uh, confidence, the settled mind, um, the stage of the definitely settled. So it's this thinking, uh, thinking on Amida Buddha that brings about this stage. Uh, then uh, solely saying the Tathagata's name constantly. The Tathagata is another name for the Buddha, and um, the Tathagata's name, we say the name of Amida Buddha in the words Namo Amida Buddha. So this recitation again of the Buddha's name, uh, that's our main um, practice, if you want to call it that, in the Jodo Shinshu tradition, um, you know, that's the whole idea of practice is kind of a a little bit complicated. Uh, We can get into that later, certainly. Um, And then it says, uh, one should respond with gratitude to the universal vow of great compassion. So um, this verse, you know, I was reading it, uh, rereading it today, And this really captures uh, in many ways the the essence of this Nembutsu practice, this reciting the name of Amida Buddha. It includes the, the mindfulness, this awareness of the Buddha, and then also the idea that the recitation, the saying the name of the Buddha is an expression of gratitude. It's not something that we do in order to get something or to accomplish something uh, for ourselves, but rather we realize the uh, liberation, the awakening that we receive from the Buddha, that we're receiving this. And so there's nothing that we need to do. Make my own efforts, right? And so we respond with gratitude. And so the Nembutsu is this expression of, of gratitude. So um, let's uh, look at some of these verses. And the first section uh, talks about the stage of the definitely settled. His passages on the stage uh, of the definitely settled from the true teaching practice and realization. So uh, this true teaching practice and realization is um, a large kind of monumental uh, writing of uh, Shinran Shonin, the founder of our tradition. And it's found in this this text called The Collected Works of Shinran. Um, And the teaching practice and realization is a very uh, detailed uh, collection of writings, sutras, sermons of the Buddha, but also uh, writings from different Pure land masters, important Buddhist teachers from Uh, India, China, Korea, Japan, Um, and within this collection, we have the Shoshinge. So the Shoshinge, which we're uh, focusing our studies on, is a section of this, and it fits into the traditional um, Buddhist style of writing, where a very detailed, uh, long kind of uh, well-organized uh, prose, textual explanation of a teaching is provided. And then the important and essential points of that are then captured in a section of verse. And these, these sections of verse tend to be what we chant in the Buddhist tradition. So um, we study the, uh, these um, treatises, these sutras, these extensive teachings, and then uh, for our ritual practice, we do the chanting of these. Um, the jusege, uh, which is a section of verse from the larger Pure Land Sutra, is an example of this. So is the Sambutsuge, um, these, uh, these uh, items that we often chant uh, during our weekly services. Shoshinge is another example of this, of uh, a section of verse. So what we've been doing is to explore um, the the larger uh, kind of detailed text that Shinran provides to explain the meaning that's captured here in the Shoshinge, and that's what we have here uh, from the the chapter on practice, and so. Here is uh, this section um, and we'll, uh, I'll read, read this as a question and answer. And then there's some commentary on that. So this is from Nagarjuna's commentary on the 10 bodhisattva stages. The question, uh, bodhisattvas in this first stage of joy are called those who greatly rejoice. Since the attainment of many virtues occurs here, joy is taken to be the name of the stage. In this stage, they should rejoice in the Dharma. What is there that brings joy? Then the answer, uh, to think constantly on the Buddhas and on the great faculties of the Buddhas is the rare practice of the definitely settled. Hence, one rejoices. So uh, this... Nembutsu practice, this recitation of the name Amida Amidabutsu, is really a kind of mind, mindfulness practice. These days, mindfulness is kind of a, a hot term. It's sort of, I think, the mindfulness peak has, has passed, but we still hear, hear about mindfulness. They're still teaching it in schools, and it's become kind of normal now. Um, it's been taken outside of its Buddhist context in many ways. And sort of incorporated into our everyday life. But mindfulness is an important traditional Buddhist practice. And um, in our tradition, this mindfulness practice is mindfulness of the Buddha, um, which is a little bit different than other kinds of mindfulness practices. I don't know if anybody has done a mindfulness practice, you know, it may be, uh, you know, at another Buddhist activity or sometimes. you know, doctors will prescribe mindfulness meditation to help people lower their blood pressure. Uh, my kids do mindfulness at their school. Uh, mindfulness is this, um, this taking of Buddhist principles and Buddhist practices and has been applied to kind of help people with their um, issues they're dealing with in their daily lives. And those mindfulness practices often involve uh, mindfulness of breathing being aware of the sensations of one's body, um, being aware of the the thoughts that come up in one's mind, the uh, emotions, and so forth. and this this does have some um, you know some reference to traditional Buddhist practices, but it's just one kind of mindfulness. And it's a, a kind of mindfulness focused on one's own experience in that moment, which is important and a valuable practice. The mindfulness practice of this Pure Land tradition is rather than situating one's attention on one's own life, it's mindfulness of the Buddha, mindfulness of the Buddha's many virtues, right? Uh, Most basically things like wisdom and compassion Uh, Others could be um, like the six paramitas or the virtues uh, of the Buddhas. So uh, those would be uh, the virtue of generosity, the virtue of uh, ethical living, the um, virtue of of patience and uh, kindness. We often use the word forbearance, Um, the virtue of uh, uh, hard work, dedication, dedicated effort. Um, The virtue of concentration, focusing the mind, the virtue of wisdom. So, uh, to reflect upon these uh, as virtues fulfilled by the Buddhas. So, uh, it begins by taking our focus from me, my experience, and what's going on with me right now, and setting that aside for a moment and taking one's attention to. Uh, the larger reality of these these virtues uh, of the Buddha. and so if we look into this uh, these passages provided by Nagarjuna, we get some uh, clarity about what is, what does this mean? Um, and I think it, you know initially, for many of us, we think, well, you know i'm I'm concerned with you know my own experience, my own life, and I don't have a sense of some like supreme being like outside myself, some kind of like a dualistic, you know, uh, divine entity. I think especially for people who are, you know, kind of drawn to or settled into the Buddhist tradition. We don't have the sense of something outside ourselves. And so this mindfulness of the Buddha can maybe seem a little bit difficult at times, like, why am I thinking about this other thing outside of me when You know, my main concern is is the suffering that I'm experiencing in my own life right now. And so uh, if we look at these these words uh, from Nagarjuna, we get some clarity on this matter. Uh, Concerning the phrase, bodhisattvas who think on definite settlement. When bodhisattvas have received a prediction of their attainment of supreme enlightenment, they enter the stage of the Dharma and realize insight into non-origination. Um, so this is these are important uh stages on the path to awakening. Uh, one of the first stages is to have a Buddha to meet a Buddha and a Buddha to say you will attain enlightenment. That's an important stage, so to have that recognition of one's um one being settled on the path from a Buddha. And then it says at that point, then they realize an insight into non origination, so they see that um everything. That comes into being um, has uh, is 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 the result of the flowing of, of causes and conditions, and that if we can uh, be free of these, uh, the, the the rising up of our greed, anger, and ignorance, then um, the uh, the various problems and confusion will not rise up, will not originate there in our minds. Okay, uh, An army of millions of kotis of Maras cannot or, can de- defeat or confuse them. So Maras are um, these uh, Buddhist kind of um, uh, beings who, who thrive on creating confusion, who thrive on holding people to this world uh, of, uh, of suffering. The, the the cycle of death and rebirth, and they they thrive, uh, they delight in confusing and defeating people. And so, one who has received this prediction from a Buddha then is is settled, has a, has a, a settled mind that cannot be confused. So, attaining the mind of great compassion, they fulfill acts of a great being. Such are those called bodhisattvas who think on definite settlement. So this is the kind of, again, the sort of mindfulness of the realization of of, uh, enlightenment. Then um, this goes on to say, think on the rare practice means to think on the highest rare practice of the definitely settled bodhisattva. To think on it, this is that mindfulness, okay, to think on it causes one to rejoice in one's heart. This is the practice beyond the capability of all ordinary beings, and no Shravaka or Pratyeka Buddha is able to perform it. Uh, so a Shravaka is one who uh, hears the teaching of the Buddha and then becomes enlightened through hearing hearing that teaching. It's um, the sort of the, the, the model of um, the kind of mainstream Buddhism uh, of of this time, and then a Pratyeka Buddha is one who uh, attains enlightenment totally on their own without a teacher and then just enjoys being enlightened and passes into nirvana without without teaching others. Um, so those, those two beings are from a Mahayana perspective seen as um, beings who are uh, sort of attached to their own benefit but not to uh, uh, helping others, as expressed by they don't remain committed in this bodhisattva path, uh, and so that's why they're not able to perform this uh, this bodhisattva awareness. Uh, it reveals the un- unhindered emancipation of the Buddha Dharma and also the wisdom of the All Knowing One. Further, since one thinks on all the practices performed Once. in the ten stages one is said uh, to greatly rejoice in one's heart. Therefore, the first stage attained by bodhisattvas is called joy. So the, this, um, this first stage of attainment is the stage of, of joy. joy. Okay. Then it says, uh, there are ordinary beings who have yet to awaken the, the aspiration for supreme enlightenment, and those who awaken the mind of enlightenment, but have not yet attained the stage of joy. Such people may also experience joy when thinking on the Buddhas and the great faculties of the Buddhas, or on the definitely settled bodhisattvas in their rare practice. How does the joy of a bodhisattva who has attained the first stage differ from the joy of such people? Okay, so this is saying, uh, you know, you could have somebody... Who thinks about the Buddha and thinks, wow, you know, the Buddha is so wonderful. The Buddha is so compassionate. Uh, it's, I'm so glad that the Buddha's, you know, in my life. Uh, I'm so glad that I've heard the Buddha's teachings um, and just has a sense of appreciation and uh, admiration for the Buddha and feels a kind of joy, a joy just in admiring and appreciating the Buddha. Um, and to think about, these practices and this enlightenment as it's like, wow, that's so cool. That's really cool. And I feel happy and joyful uh, about that because it's so, it's so amazing. Um, and so how is that different from, from these bodhisattvas who attain this joy uh, coming from being in this stage of the, the truly settled? And so the answer, uh, this, is, this is really key. Uh, if bodhisattvas attain the first stage will greatly rejoice in their hearts they will think i also am definitely to obtain the immeasurable virtues of the buddhas so the bodhisattva's joy uh, is that they realize that those virtues of the buddha i'm going to receive those so it's not like an abstract thing for those people out there but it's something that is going to come into my life and going to bring about peace of mind for me and the people around me. So uh, uh, Nagarjuna goes on to say, the definitely settled bodhisattvas who attain the first stage in thinking on the Buddhas, see the Buddhas possess immeasurable virtues and consider I will indeed unfailingly attain the same thing. This is because they reflect, I have already attained this first stage and thus join those who are definitely settled, right? So um, this is is important because we see here that when the bodhisattva, this uh, one who has the stage of the truly settled, um, when they think about the Buddha, they don't think about the Buddha in a kind of dualistic way. Like that's somebody outside of me. That's somebody who is completely different from me but rather a bodhisattva at this stage realizes that I am going to, I am on the path to realizing those virtues, that those virtues of generosity, upright living, patience, hard work, and so forth, those are also present in my life in the sense that I will will, uh, become fulfilled in those. And so um, so this is like the difference between kind of worshiping a God as something that's like outside of me. Like there's a God who has all this power over the universe and over my life. I'm going to to worship this God. Um, that's different from this this sense of mindfulness of the Buddha because mindfulness of the Buddha is ultimately mindfulness of the benefits that we receive, the virtues that we receive through uh, the Buddha's teachings coming into our life. And so mindfulness of Amida Buddha is a reflection on all the virtues that we will receive through going forth to be born into uh, Amida Buddha's world of enlightenment. So um, Amida Buddha's uh, created, this world of enlightenment through uh, through his virtues and that world is our destination where we can realize uh, liberation from suffering and so we can talk later if you folks have questions about you know what is the the meaning of of birth in the pure land what is that Um, how do we understand that uh, that kind of transformation it's talked about as a transformation in our lives um and so that is the the, uh, the our assurance of birth in the Pure Land is our assurance that we will uh, attain these virtues, right? Um, and it says uh, goes on to say, uh, this thought does not occur to others. Because of it, the bodhisattvas of the first stage greatly rejoice. This is not the case with the others. How is it so? Uh, although others may think on the Buddhas, they are incapable of having the thought, "I will indeed unfailingly attain Buddhahood." So, they so that those people who uh, who haven't attained this this settled mind, they think about the Buddha. They 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 don't have a sense of identification with that, uh, uh, realizing that, that that's not. Something abstract out there, but that this is me and my life is expressed in in this, the, the, this attainment of Buddhahood. So, uh, take for example the case of the Chakravartin prince. Chakravartin is a, a great and, and powerful king who um, who rules the world justly and and promotes uh, the wisdom of the of the Buddha's teachings. So uh, he is born into the house of the Chakravartan king and possesses the marks of the Chakravartan king. Thinking of the virtues and nobility of the Chakravartan kings of the past, he considers, now I also have these marks and I will indeed attain uh, that wealth and nobility. And he greatly rejoices in his heart. So this this prince knows that he is going to, He's Born into this family. He's, you know, he's in line to become the king. And so he has a sense of this is my path. I am going to he looks up to the king, his father, and then knows that he too will one day uh, become the king in the same way. Uh, and so he greatly rejoices in his heart because there's a sense of certainty there, right? So if he lacks the marks of the Chakravartan king, he would not have such joy right? If there's any sort of doubt that he would become king, then he wouldn't have that same joy. Uh, likewise, when the definitely settled bodhisattvas think on the Buddhas, on their great virtues, and on their nobility of deportment, they reflect, I have these marks and will unfailingly attain Buddhahood, and they greatly rejoice. This does not take place with the others. The mind definitely settled refers to the mind that, deep, penetrating deeply into the Buddha Dharma, is never shaken so um this settled mind this is the goal of the pure land uh, buddhist tradition is to attain this this uh, sense of assurance of one's attainment of buddhahood and this comes through uh, hearing this pure land teaching and a sense of of certainty that through amida buddha's vow to liberate all beings, to bring about all beings' birth in the the Pure Land, that um, we are included in that, and that through our birth in the Pure Land, we too will attain this this liberation. So this is the, you know, that's our path to awakening. In a sense, is this sense of we call we use this word shinjin or this entrusting heart. Arriving at this state of mind where one has this kind of certainty and then thinking on the Buddhas is thinking about our attainment of Buddhahood. So when we think about Amida Buddha, we say the word Namo Amidabutsu, we're thinking about all of the Buddha's virtues, but with a sense that we will attain those virtues, that those virtues uh, will be fulfilled in our lives. And so then the recitation of the name of the Buddha uh, becomes our expression of gratitude, and that's expressed here uh, in this next section. So passages on saying the name of Amida Tathagata. And so uh, we'll kind of transition a little bit here. So this first section talks really about kind of what's going on in, in our minds or our hearts, right? In Buddhism, hearts and minds are not two different things, right? There's, there's a very Western idea that you have your thoughts and your emotions and they're two kind of separate things uh, in the Buddhist view, um, thoughts and emotions are part of this one aspect uh, of being. And so that the, the section we just read really talks about that kind of, that state of mind, that state of, of being. And then this next section talks about so, what do we do? How does that state of being become expressed uh, in our lives? And um, we do that through the recitation, the name saying Namo Amida Butsu. So uh, here it says, one should revere and pay homage to Amida and the other Buddhas, and say their names. I will now expo- expound in detail the Buddha of Immeasurable Life. The Buddha of Immeasurable Life is Amida. Amida means immeasurable, um, and it refers to the Buddha of uh, Immeasurable Life, and the life of the Buddha represents the Buddha's compassion. There is Lokeshvara Raja Buddha and the other Buddhas. These world-honored Buddhas at present are in the pure realms of the ten quarters. All say the name of Amida Buddha and are mindful of the primal vow which states. Uh, So this primal vow, this is the uh, essential vow of Amida Buddha. And this vow states, if persons think on me and say my name, spontaneously taking refuge in me, immediately they enter the stage of the definitely settled and will realize supreme perfect enlightenment. Hence, you should constantly be mindful of Amida. I offer praise in Agatha. Okay, in Agatha again. So, this is another case of where you have uh, a text, an expl- uh you know, a kind of an explanation or explication. We've just read um, this long, uh, kind of detailed. Um, explanation of the teachings this discourse on the teachings and then uh we're provided with this uh this this gatha this section of verse that expresses the meaning of that or in this case um kind of the practical side of this experience of of entrusting in amida buddha or or we use those words shinjin uh, so uh, nagarjuna writes Oh, Buddha, the wisdom of immeasurable light, whose body is like a mountain of pure gold, I now, in body, speech, and thought, place hands together and bow my head in worship. So body, speech, and thought, these are the three kinds of of karmic action, the three kinds of activity that bring about results, what we physically do, what we say, and what we think. So in this case, um, uh, Nagarjuna says, I bow my head in worship, so there's the physical side, there's the saying the name of the Buddha, and uh, speaking praises of the Buddha, and then one thought, thinking uh, uh, on the Buddha in this process. Um, Those who think on Amida Buddha's immeasurable power and virtues immediately enter the stage of the definitely settled. For this reason, I constantly think on Amida. If persons aspire to attain Buddhahood and think on Amida in their hearts, at that moment, the Buddha will appear before them. For this reason, I take refuge in the power of that Buddha's primal vow. The Bodhisattvas throughout the 10 quarters also go to Amida's land to make offerings and hear the Dharma. And for this reason, I bow my head to Amida. When persons, of, when persons doubt as they plant roots of good, the lotus in which they gain birth will not open. But for those whose shinjin is pure, the flower opens and immediately they see the Buddha." So again, this shinjin is this uh, trusting heart or, or faith is a word that's used. And you know, faith is kind of um, complicated. We can talk more about that later, uh, how we understand it. But I think if we think about um, Shinjin is not a sense that there is, you know, the, the Buddha is like a god who's controlling our lives, but that the Buddha has provided for us to attain the exact same virtues that the Buddha will attain, and so Shinjin is that it's that uh, that entrusting or that faith in one's own attainment of enlightenment. The flower opens, and immediately they see the Buddha. The Buddhas of the present throughout the Ten Quarters, each in their own way, praise the virtues of that Buddha. For this reason, I now take refuge in worship. Carried on the ship of the Eightfold Path, one crosses the ocean difficult to cross. One crosses oneself and also ferries others across. For this reason, I worship Amida, the one freely working. Even were all Buddhas to praise Amida's virtues for kalpas beyond reckoning, they still would fail to exhaust them. For this reason, I take refuge in the one of purity. Now, in this way, I extol Amida's imme- immeasurable virtues through the praise of this, of this, through the merit of this praise, may the Buddha constantly think of me. So um, in this section of verse, uh, Nagarjuna is expressing his joy and also his gratitude to the Buddha. So, if we go back to the earlier section, we think about mindfulness. So, the mindfulness in this Pure Land Buddhist tradition is mindfulness of the Buddha, of the virtues that we receive through the Buddha's compassion. And then the joy, the joy awakens from that awareness of the virtues, and then we express that joy through praise, through gratitude. And so our saying of Namo Amidabutsu is essentially, that's our way of expressing our gratitude. So we don't say Namo Amidabutsu in order to become enlightened. We don't say it in order that the Buddha will help us, but rather we realize, we trust that the Buddha has already vowed to help all beings. So there's nothing that we need to do to like earn the Buddha's uh, approval or the, the Buddha's compassion. We simply uh, express the gratitude that we receive. The only thing that is necessary is this entrusting. We call that that shinjin, that word that appears here in this text. Um, and so this is this is this uh, section from the Nagarjuna, and then just in conclusion, um, there's a couple. We have a couple of hymns here from Shinran's hymns of the Pure Land masters that um, also reflect this understanding uh, of Nagarjuna. And so these uh, hymns of the Pure Land masters were written in the language of Shinran's time, written in Japanese. For us now, it's very kind of classical style Japanese. But in Shinran's time, this was like the, you know, the common way of, of conveying teachings that everybody would be able to hear and understand. Whereas the Shoshinge itself is written in classical Chinese. So this is uh, reading the wasan even in translation can often be a, a little bit more of an accessible way to hear these teachings. So we'll conclude with these two verses. People who hear and accept the words of our teacher, Bodhisattva Nagarjuna, should be mindful of the primal vow and say the name of Amida always. Those who desire quickly to attain the stage of non retrogression should, with a heart of reverence, hold steadfast to and say Amida's name. Naman Dabats, Naman nam nam -nam nam -nam